Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tiva, and we are going to have such a fire time together for the next hour because we are going to look at my past mistakes and we're going to learn from them so we can all be better together in the future. Let's go. Woo. Okay. I hope everyone's had a good week. I'm not going to lie. I've had a pretty shitty week. I don't know. I mean, there's, it's been kind of actually on both ends of the spectrum. Like in some ways I've had such a good week. Like I feel like I crushed at work. I feel like I've been doing such a good job. I had a bunch of really big projects this week and I did a really, really good job at everything. And I'm really proud of myself at the same time. It's been one of the hardest weeks of my life because things are still popping off with my dog. So if it's your first time listening or I don't know if you're just like not familiar for whatever reason, even though I feel like I whine about it every week, my dog is very old and very sick. She's had a long history of a lot of health issues that I'm not going to get into right this second because honestly, the room is really fucking hot. Like you have no idea. My entire apartment is frigid. This room is like a fucking sauna. And I think, I think it's because I have the doors closed all the time because my dog is old and sick and she has geriatric incontinence and she keeps peeing everywhere. So I've been keeping the doors to the uh, studio closed because I don't want her to come in here and pee in here. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like all of the heat ducts are in this room. But anyway, it's really fucking hot in this room. And I've noticed that the hotter it is, the quicker the camera overheats. I mean, you guys, they don't just hand out these degrees in law school. Like clearly I'm a fucking genius for putting this together. You would think I would have realized this sooner. So anyway, it's really fucking hot in here. And I have a feeling the camera is going to overheat and short out a lot quicker than usual. So I'm going to try to make things a little more compact and not go on and on about all of my dog's previous health issues. But anyway, she um, she has geriatric incontinence, so I take her out every three to four hours, aka I don't really sleep. Now, I will say I do like there's a six hour stretch, six or seven hour stretch, sometimes even eight hour stretch overnight where I don't take her out. So I might take her out at like 10 p.m., and then take her out again at 6 a.m. But the thing is, like, even if you're in bed for eight hours, it's not like you're getting eight hours of sleep, especially not because Satan possesses her body overnight and she fucking loses it. It's honestly, it's like the ring from the hours of 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. in our apartment. Like, it is like um the exorcist. <laughs> like, it's shit is popping off in here. <laughs> like, the other night, we were only in bed for six hours. So between her last walk and her first walk was six fucking hours. So, like, the highest amount of sleep that I could have possibly gotten was, like, five and a half hours. Instead, she pooped four times overnight, four times. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Anyway, I'm getting no sleep. And the thing is every day that goes on that I am underslept, the more and more cunty and cranky I am. And all in all, I actually don't think I've been that cunty and cranky given everything that's going on. But like my health is being impacted. Like the way that the aura ring every day is like, are you still alive because we're not positive if you are. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. If the aura ring detects that someone dies, like do they call? Like is it does it set off an alert for the company to like call 911 or something? And I'm asking really for selfish reasons because I think I'm teetering on that edge. And the fact that I haven't gotten sick yet is honestly nothing short of a miracle. I honestly think it's kind of like those situations where moms are able to lift cars off of the baby. Like I think that what's happening is I it's like a sheer force of willpower because I know if I go down, there's no one to take care of this little bitch. So I better stay up and standing. But like I'm teetering on the edge of something really bad happening to me if we don't figure this out. Like it's really, really bad. And then on top of that, like beyond her geriatric incontinence, she has this 
Well, we've basically labeled an autoimmune condition because we actually don't know. So this first started popping off in 2019 where she um, we noticed that her white blood cells were like kind of abnormally low and then they kept getting lower and lower and lower. So we started doing a bunch of testing and really couldn't figure it out. We did a bone marrow biopsy. We didn't see any bone cancer, but it also wasn't a very good sample. So it was kind of like question mark, like we didn't see cancer, but we can't rule it out type situation. Now, five years later, we can definitively say she didn't have cancer at that time because if she had had a bone cancer back then, her condition would be a lot worse now. So now we can kind of definitively rule out that she didn't have bone cancer back then. Um, Now, whether she has it now or not is actually a big question mark. So anyway, so uh, I'm not going to take you through the whole history. A bunch of shit happened. Anyway, we ended up putting, so she ended up going into remission and then it came back. And so then we put her on this very intense auto um, auto uh, immunosuppressant drug. Sorry, immunosuppressant drug because basically our theory was because we couldn't find any other cause for her white blood cells going so low. Our theory was that the reason that her white blood cells are going so low is because she has some kind of autoimmune condition and her body is attacking her own immune system, right? Okay. Anyway, so um, she's been on that drug for a few years now and been doing really well on it. And then recently her white blood cells started going low again. And so we've been trying to figure out why suddenly they'd be dropping when they've been so controlled on this medication. And again, the word cancer comes up a lot. Um, Now we've not found any cancer, which is promising, but we saw a specialist last week and she was basically like, we could do another bone marrow biopsy. I wouldn't really do it because like if she does have bone cancer, there isn't a whole lot we could do. Like we could do chemo, but honestly that might buy you like a month or two. Like if she has bone cancer, she's a goner. So like I, if it were my dog, I wouldn't do chemo. And quite frankly, I wouldn't do a bone marrow biopsy either because it's not really going to give us any actionable information. And it's like quite painful. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess we won't do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really like hard and really, really scary time. Like the emotional toll is really hard because like we don't really know what's going on and we don't really. So what we decided to do is switch her immunosuppressant drug to something else in the hopes that like maybe her body just suddenly stopped responding to that drug and it will start responding to another drug. She said the odds of that are exceptionally low. Um, but we literally don't have, okay, I'm going to start crying. We literally don't have any other tools at our disposal. We have no other clues. We have no other information. So that's, we're just kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall. By the way, do you know where that phrase comes from? It's apparently to test if pasta is like perfectly al dente cooked. If you were to throw it at a wall, it would stick if it's like right at the perfect amount. Um, Otherwise, it wouldn't stick. Now, I have an issue with this because I don't like my pasta al dente. Fun fact about me, and I think I have like fairly sophisticated taste in a lot of things, but like why would you not want your pasta cooked through a little bit more? Like I just think it's better when it's cooked through a little bit more. And like back when I ate meat rare, like don't even fucking talk to me if that shit isn't bloody, my fish rare, like everything else I would say of like refined, sophisticated taste. Well, most other things, not everything. I do prefer milk chocolate to dark chocolate, but that's neither here nor there. But like the fucking al dente pasta, no, get out of here. I don't want to bite to it. I want it like nice and cooked through. That's why I'm eating pasta because I want that like I don't want to use the word mushy because like people think that that's gross, but like that, that texture, that nice comforting texture, it's to me, it's like saying you want your potato cooked through half the way. It's like, who the fuck wants that? And you know what? I used to have a lot of shame around it, but then my friend Carolina, who is Italian, told me that this is actually a huge debate in Italy and not everyone agrees on this subject. So thank you, Carolina, for making me feel like less of a cunt for that. Anyway, 
in conclusion, I've had a really fucking hard week. And every day that I don't sleep, things get harder. I hurt my wrist last week and it's healing at a snail's pace. Like it's like not even that hurt. It's like not swollen or anything, but it's healing so fucking slowly. And I know it's because I'm not getting any sleep. Like every day, things are just getting a little bit harder. I do think that I have a generally good attitude about everything. Um, and I do think that I'm constantly surprising myself at how much I'm able to do and how much I'm able to fit into my day and just generally like how high I'm performing and how little sleep I'm getting. And I really think that just goes to show how much the nervous system work that I put out works. Like when I was researching that nervous system course really for the past few years, but really intensely in 2023 and implementing and testing everything on myself, like these are the fucking results. Like I am now in the nervous system Olympics, okay? Like I was training before. I'm now in the fucking stress Olympics. And guess what? I think I'm gonna win gold. I think I'm gonna win motherfucking gold because I am performing so much better than I ever thought. But honestly, it's really, hard like the emotional toll of not knowing like what's happening with her is really really hard the physical toll of not sleeping and then still like I'm taking her out every three to four hours and she's still having accidents and I don't even mean just like the six hours overnight that we go don't go out I mean like even within those three three to four hours like while I'm podcasting I just took her out I wouldn't be shocked if I walk out of this room when I'm done recording maybe in 600 hours because who knows like what why are we still talking about this? Why am I wasting time on this? But like, she could have an accident. Like while I'm recording, I wouldn't be shocked. And then I have to wash everything. It's just, it's a lot. But like underlying all of it is the emotional toll. And also knowing that like there really might not be light at the end of this tunnel. Like it, it might be like this until one of us dies, which quite frankly, like me dying is getting more and more likely with like me not getting proper sleep. Um, I will say the one, I mean, there are a lot of silver linings to this, but one thing that's happened is people have really shown themselves to me like the amount of support and love that I've gotten from people who like some people who like I don't even know that well or I've kind of just gotten to know and the fact that they're regularly checking in on me I'm like holy shit like this is a great person and someone I want to be closer to and then you know there's people or person (laughs) who haven't been so great and that's really been hard and I don't You know, when you're going through a hard time, to you, it feels like everything. It feels like the only thing that's happening in the world, right? And everyone's dealing with their own shit. And I do have to constantly remind myself of that. Like, just because someone isn't, like, all up on my dick, like, asking about Sam and me every five minutes doesn't mean that they don't care. It probably just means that they have their own life and their own problems and their own shit going on. And that's perfectly fine and reasonable and valid. Um, But I'd be lying if I said, you know, there's, like, one person in particular in my life who I think I spoke about at some point, like, maybe two episodes ago or something. I referenced a fact that there was one of my friends who I was really, really close to who um, not only never offered to help with Sam, but also has actually like literally not once, not once asked how I'm doing or checked in or anything. And I remember there was one day in particular over the past week where It's like the universe is a shady reality TV producer or some shit because basically everyone I've ever met ever, ever in my life or I've ever known ever (laughs) called, texted, and DM'd to check in on me. Like literally was this outpouring like half of you guys, like so many listeners happened to DM me on that. It wasn't even a podcast day. It just like coincidentally happened that day where everyone's like, oh my God, like how are you? Like blah, blah, blah. How's everything with you and Sam? Blah, blah. Or even like if I was referencing it on Instagram stories, like people were DMing, like people I like barely know people I've like tangentially worked with everyone just happened to that day be checking in and that day this friend decided to like message me and be like oh hey sorry I never texted you to get together and I was like excuse me (laughs) 
what are you talking about? And she's like, no, I know. Like, so sorry that like, you know, I didn't text you last week to like hang out. I was like, you think that's what I care about right now? Like I'm fighting tooth and nail to keep this dog alive and simultaneously nearly killing myself. And you think my concerns are whether you and I are hanging out? Like that's not like you, like, do you understand how many people have texted me today to like ask about me? And this is your reaction towards me. Anyway, so I was seeing red. I was so fucking angry and I just didn't respond because I like I responded once and I could see the passive aggressiveness and the cuntiness in my message. And I was like, you know what? If I keep messaging, I'm going to say something really passive aggressive or something really active aggressive. And it's just not the time nor the place. And like there's a deeper layer here that I need to work out as to why I'm so triggered by this, because I do genuinely believe that we react to things that were repressing within ourselves. And I could sense that there was something deeper beyond just this specific issue. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to rage out at her. I don't want to like freak out at her. I want to get to the root of what's really bothering me in this friendship instead of just coming from this like hurt and unhealed place. So I decided not to respond to her and I actually um, hid her messages so that I wouldn't have to look at it all the time because every time I looked at it, I would see red because <laughs> she goes, well, I hope it's not too overwhelming. And I was like, my God, I'm going to set shit on fire. You hope what is not too overwhelming? The fact that my dog is dying or the fact that like I'm getting no sleep or the fact that I'm on the brink of dying because taking care of this bitch is taking everything out of me. What specifically do you hope is not too overwhelming? But so I, you know, instead of like raging out and saying all of that shit, I decided to instead just disengage, give myself, excuse me, give myself space, give myself time to figure out exactly what is going on. And then once I got to the root of it, I could come back and message her. And then a few days later, I was thinking about it and I was like, whoa, I used to get angry and ignore people. But when I did it in the past, it wasn't from that type of place. It wasn't that I actually needed space. I would say that I needed space. But really what was happening was I was playing games. So historically, and this was generally with guys, not so much in my female friendships, but generally when I was like dating guys and stuff, if I were to ever not respond, and by the way, I never not responded for days because I did not have the self-restraint for that. But if I ever set out to not respond to a guy for days, it was 100% because I wanted them to spiral because I wanted them to be like, wait, where is Hiva? Like, why hasn't Hiva responded to me? Oh my God, what's going on? Is Hiva mad at me? Like, is something going on? Does Hiva not like me anymore? Like, what's happening? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I wanted them to fucking spiral. And so I would set out to ignore them. But of course, like, I would cave because I couldn't control myself. I would cave and I would rage out and then all shit would pop off. And I really, this week, was transported back to that place where I would play all of of these fucking games and I realized how far I've come because in this situation with this friend I can say unequivocally those were not my intentions my intentions were a hundred percent not to get her to spiral in fact the thing that I really didn't want for to happen was for her to spiral and if she had said like, hey, what's going on? Are you upset? Or or really seemed to have any awareness of how upset I was, I would have said something like, yeah, I'm upset. I don't know exactly why. I want to take some space to figure it out. And then when I get to the root of it, I can talk to you about it. But I felt weird saying that when she really like she was like, 
messaging me about innocuous shit like papayas and stuff like I didn't really think that that was like I didn't think her being like haha papaya would be an opening for me to be like by the way I'm really fucking mad at you but I don't exactly know why so I want to take some space to figure it out like I think that would have been really weird but if she had said something I would have actually communicated it to her and maybe I should have communicated it anyway that's neither here nor there but I was really marveling at how far I've come and how big of a cunt I used to be. And then I thought it would be fun if we psychoanalyze this because I remember a few years ago, like I'd be in therapy every week and I'd be like, yo, I fucking go crazy in dating and I don't understand why and I don't understand what's going on. And I would call it traditional girl crazy because I was like, I see this shit happening around me all the time. Like, it's not just me. A lot of my friends do it. I see it on reality TV all the time. Like, bitches be crazy and I don't understand why. And like, I want to pretend and I'd like to be, I don't even want to pretend I'd like to be this cool, you know, effortless chic. Well, chic isn't really relevant to this, but I want it to be this cool, chill, relaxed, easy girl. You know, the girl that the guy changes his ways for, the girl that the guy is like, I can't let this one get away. And so even though men be assholes, I'm going to stop being an asshole for this girl. Like that's the girl that I wanted to be, but that is so far from the girl that I was, you know, that's the girl that I'd pretend to be early on into dating, but then I'd fucking lose it and just become a goddamn nightmare. So I really want to dig into my past ways and how we can be different. And here's the thing. I really had a very distinct cycle that I would go through, right? In the beginnings of the relationship or the beginnings of us talking or seeing each other or whatever, I was so fucking cool. I was that girl that I pretended to be, right? I was cool. I was fun. I was chill. I was easygoing. And then inevitably over time, something would happen that would trigger some kind of insecurity in me. And then I would start playing games And then I would start picking fights. And then that would eventually lead to me threatening to break up or pretending to break up or trying to break up really solely with the intention of trying to get them to fight for me. And so usually they'd grovel, they'd fight for me, whatever. That would feel really fucking good to me. And then, you know, we'd start right back at stage one of that cycle and we'd go through the whole thing again. And then the cycle would repeat somewhere between two to 5,000 times until eventually they'd get really sick of it and be like, nah, I'm done with you, bitch. And then I was left, you know, feeling devastated, often being in severe denial, often thinking like, well, we've already done this cycle 5,000 times. Like, why not 5,001? Maybe this time will be the last time. But of course, it would never fucking be the last time. And you might be familiar with this. And honestly, There were two types of guys that I would go for, not types of guys, but there were two broad situations that would happen. The first one was the guy that I actually was really, really into, but who really wasn't meeting my needs or like giving me what I actually needed in a situation. And that would eventually drive me crazy. Um, One of like the more recent examples of that was when I dated the comedian. Now, you guys might know about the comedian, but if you're not familiar with the comedian, this is a guy who in 2018, yes, 2018, I became familiar with him. So he was a little bit famous in 2018 hosting a show. And... (laughs) I'm trying to speak about this carefully. And so my friend introduced me to the show. I started watching the show. And 
I then realized at the time I was really into fish, the band, not the seafood. I was vegan at the time. Uh, I still am vegan, but I just mean I was already vegan. And um, not that that really matters. I just mean not the seafood. And um, I was into fish and, you know, he was kind of cute and he was famous and, you know, presumably had money or whatever. Um, And but really, I think I was just attracted to the lights, you know. Anyway, so I remember kind of being like, ooh, like this, this could be my future husband. <laughs> like, I love zero chill. It's not like, oh, maybe I could flirt. No, this could be my future husband. <laughs> and so I just kind of like, it became this joke with me and my friends where I was like, oh, yeah, I have a crush on this guy, right? Whatever. So, Months and months go by. I followed him on Instagram. And I remember one time he got these like fish related something like chairs or something uh, like it was like a print that's big in fish um, on his bar stools. And so he posted it in his stories and I DM'd him. I replied to the story and I said something like, oh, I thought you were a fish fan based on a few things that you had said on the show. But um, now that I see these, it's confirmation, whatever, or some, I don't know. I may have said something cooler than that. Who the fuck knows? And he responded to me and I was like, huh, this man responded to me. And so then a few times after that, I would like reply to his stories or DM something and he would respond. And I was like, this is interesting. Cause he had a lot of followers and he, presumably got a lot of DMs because he was moderately famous at the time. I mean, not like an A-list celebrity or anything, don't get me wrong, but a tiny bit famous at the time. And so, you know, it kind of like got the wheels turning. And then I remember this one time, it was like late June, early July of 2018. I A friend had stopped by and I had this joint that had like a fish print rolling paper on it and we were about to light it up and then I was like wait wait and I was like trying to like take a photo of it in a way that looked cute like I was like putting my legs out or something anyway so my friend's like what the fuck are you doing and I was like okay listen there's this guy like have you heard of the show blah blah the comedian like do you know about the comedian and Obviously, I was saying his name and she's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I was like, listen, he's a fish fan and I just have this fantasy that we're going to meet and fall in love and get married one day. And she's like, "Okay, that's weird, but okay." Um, And so I was like, listen, I just uh, every time I DM him, he responds. So I just want to take a photo of this joint and send it to him because like I just envision that one day he's going to message me and be like, oh, I'm going to be in D.C. next week because I lived in D.C. at the time. And then we'll meet up and we'll fall in love and, you know, it'll be happily ever after. And she's like, cool, you sound delusional, but I support you through all of this. And so I take a photo, I send it to him and he's like, oh my God, where is that? And I was like, my apartment. And he goes, where do you live? And I was like, DC. And he goes, oh, I'm going to be in DC next week. And I was like, you don't fucking say. Keep in mind, I just said that to my friend. I was like, I envision one day he's going to message me and be like, oh, I'm going to be in DC next week. And so he's like, yeah, you want to meet up? Like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there for these dates. Like, what day would work for you? And I'm like, what the fuck? And so he's going to be there for three nights. And the first night I was like busy or something. Um, So I decided I was like, well, let's meet up the second night, because then if it goes well, then we can meet up again the third night. And then he'll invite me to come to New York the following weekend. And then it's going to be the start of our relationship and he's going to fall in love with me. Like, I just know what's going to happen. And so I suggest the second night we meet up. Sure enough, he's like, I'm obsessed with you. I really want to get to know you better. Like, let's meet up tomorrow, too, while I'm here. Um, He comes over his last night. He ends up staying over. We don't, like, have sex or anything. We just, like, made out. Um, And he literally that night is like, I think I'm falling in love with you. And I'm like, oh, my God, amazing. Everything's going according to plan. He's like, I want you to come to New York next weekend. I'm buying you a train ticket right now. Like, when can you come? Blah, blah. And so... Also, so everything is going according to plan, except for one wrinkle comes up that night. He's like, I do want you to know I have some situations. And I was like, "Okay, what's going on? And he's like, well, 
A, there's this girl I've kind of been seeing in New York, but I don't even like her. So that's that's besides the point. But there's this girl in L.A. that every time I'm out there, I see her every time she's out here. We see each other. And honestly, I kind of thought that she would be the girl that I would end up being with. Like, I kind of thought that this is, you know, once we're on the same coast, we would end up together and I was like, okay. And I was like, well, <laughs> obviously that's not what I wanted to hear, but I'm fully in my cool girl act. And I was like, are you committed to either of these girls? And he's like, no, 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 no not at all. I was like, so you're single. Like neither of these girls think that you're in a relationship with them. And he's like, no, no, no. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that's what being single and dating around is, right? Like you see multiple people, it's not a huge deal. And then eventually you commit to someone like that's like you're well within your rights to do that. Of course, it fucking bothered me, but I didn't let on. And I don't know that I should have done anything differently at the time, because at that stage, we had known each other for two days, technically. Like, what am I going to be like, tell all the girls that it's off, you know? But this goes on. And so basically I end up going up to New York and it's everything is magical. Amazing. Like I can't put it into words. It's like everything feels electric. It's like sparks between us. It almost feels like there's literal electricity. Like I'm just so happy, fun, funny, just like having such a good time, like making him laugh, just like being this effortless, cool, fun, amazing girl. Um, And then I like he was like constantly buying me train tickets to come up to New York like I was going up there like every other week literally and you know meeting his friends and everyone loves me I remember there was this one night that we walked the Brooklyn Bridge and then met up with some of his friends in Brooklyn for a drink and I remember while we're there like he basically to his friends is like how fucking hot is this girl and they're all like yeah no totally and he's like I mean can you believe it like this is what a little bit of fame does like look at the girls I used to date look at this like skinny pretty girl and then like literally the entire table is having a conversation about how much skinnier and prettier I am than every girl he's ever dated and I was like this is literally the best night of my life. Like, what? Like, could things be any better in life? I'm sitting here with this, like, kind of famous, kind of rich guy who's, like, spoiling me, buying me train tickets, like, taking me everywhere. And we are now sitting at a table where everyone is talking about how much thinner and prettier I am than girls he's dated and like this is the height of luxury this is the height of things I mean could you even conceive of anything better happening ever in life you know so anyway things are fucking amazing and then meanwhile simultaneously while all this is happening I had finished law school. I had finished my MBA. I was doing some technically in-house legal work, but like barely. I just come over all of this like health issues. And I, before I ever met him, was like interviewing hardcore at big law firms. And basically I was just kind of cold emailing. Like I was like finding a random person at a law firm and emailing them and being like, hey, this is my situation. I'm really interested in this stuff. I'd love to get a copy coffee with you and just like pick your brain. And so I was getting a lot of leads that way and like meeting up with coffee for people and being like, here's my situation. I want to be at a big law firm. I think I could do this. I'm smart. Like I'm, I'm, I have these skills, blah, blah, blah. And they're all like really, really impressed. And they're like, interview at our law firm like I will set it up and this is a very non-traditional way by the way to get in like there's a very traditional way that you get into big law firms which I didn't manage that happens like your first year of law school right I didn't get in that way and so I was doing it this very non-traditional way but getting a lot of fucking bites like I'm going on interviews like like those five hour interviews where they're circulating you around the law firm and like when you're doing those interviews at that point they like your resume. They like your work history. It's just a matter of like, is this a cultural fit? And I won't say like, I'm not going to toot my own horn a lot, but like, 
I think I'm a pretty personable person. Like, I think I can put it on for an interview. Like, it's never, I, up until that point, had never been on an interview and not gotten a job, you know? Like, it's 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 a matter of getting to the interview, usually. That's, like, the issue. And it's not like those types of interviews where they're really testing you on your skills or knowledge at that point. It's really just kind of a personality fit at that point. And time after time after time, I'm not, getting offers. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Because again, I I, I think I interview well. Like I think I do pretty well with people. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm like so not self-aware. But I remember right before him and I met, the comedian and I met for the very first time, I had been on an uh, an interview and by an interview I mean like I met with like five people at this law firm and it had gone so fucking well like it seemed like it was a perfect fit I was positive I was gonna get an offer and I remember thinking to myself if I don't get an offer from this firm something is off in that like I don't think I should be pursuing law at all like I don't think this is the right route for me if this doesn't work because that's the only possible explanation it's the universe being like no this is not for you sure enough I don't get an offer and then the wheels start turning that like maybe I need to be doing things differently. Now I'm coming up to New York all the time. And also I should explain, I take in the bar in New York. So I was actually licensed in New York. I then got, um, I, uh, what's it called? Something into, you can, oh my God, I can't think of the word, whatever. It doesn't matter. So I was licensed in DC also, but I had to like transfer it to DC. So I was originally licensed for New York because I think in the long term, Term, I always saw myself living in New York, even though I didn't accept it and like, you know, integrated to myself. And like, I didn't want to see that because I wanted to be close to my family and I owned my condo in DC, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, every time I'd come up to New York to see the comedian, I was like so fucking happy just on cloud nine. Everything was amazing. I loved the city. And then I'd go back to DC and just feel like, ugh. So the job search wasn't going well. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to move to fucking New York. I have nothing tethering me to DC. There's no job here. I have this guy that I'm obsessed with who like keeps telling me he's like falling in love with me. Like I'm pretty sure that we're twin flame soulmates. Like everything I'm having premonitions that are coming true with him. Like it's in the stars. It's all aligned. I'm meant to be with this person. I feel electric and alive every time I come up to New York and I feel like dog shit every time I come back to DC. So the wheels start turning. I find an apartment. I lock down a lease. I have a friend who can drive me up to New York. So basically my lease was starting on October 5th of 2018. But um, I had a friend who could drive me up on like October 1st. And so I reach out to the comedian. I was like, Yo, and he had been like, just move in with me, move into my apartment. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, it feels like it's moving too fast, whatever. I'm getting my own place. But I was like, hey, could I actually stay with you from the first through the fifth with my dog and all of my stuff that I'm moving to New York because of this situation? And he's like, absolutely would love to have you. So we get up there. We're staying with him. And then the day before, or basically I was going to move into my apartment on the sixth rather than the fifth because all of my furniture was arriving on the 6th. So I wouldn't have had like a bed or a couch or anything to sleep on if I had moved in on the 5th. And then on the 5th, something happened. I think basically like I felt like he wasn't being as helpful as I would have liked him to be for the move, even though I had never voiced or communicated that I wanted help. And so I it triggered that thing where that's when I snapped from being this cool, chill, easygoing girl to oof, something's wrong. Something, you know, like, is he actually into me? You know, that kind of like insecurity arose. And so I started doing the shit that I always do playing games. So I remember he was at a work thing and I texted him and I was like, hey, actually, I think I'm going to go to my apartment tonight instead of tomorrow, even though I have no furniture. And he's like, "Okay." And obviously that's not the reaction that I wanted. So then I'm like, and I don't think we should see each other anymore. (laughs) And he's like, what? 
<laughs> like, look at it from his perspective. Everything is going beautifully, amazingly, whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, and I don't think we should see it. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And so he is like, oh, my God. And, you know, it's exactly the reaction that I wanted from him. So he, like, leaves this work meeting and calls me. And he's like, what's going on? Why do you say that? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he grovels. He fights for me, whatever. So that's just one of many examples where I did that. And here's the thing. Like, from the very moment that he had this girl in California that, okay, like, at that point, he didn't know me. He didn't, like, I get it. But when he's telling me over and over and over again that he's falling in love with me and that he thinks, like, we're each other's soulmates and all of this stuff, but that girl is still in limbo in California, that's when I should have been like, fuck, no, this is not right. Plus, like, at the time, I didn't have the languaging to see how much I was being love bombed. And I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he has his own shit, you know, and we're not here to psychoanalyze him. So that's just one of many examples of situations where I was dating a guy that I actually was really fucking into and then I started going crazy. Now I did go crazy with him a few more times. Um, I mean that was like a very minor example and then two days later when we were or the next day or whatever when we were moving my shit over from his place to my new place um, I kind of really snapped at him And that was like a big one where he didn't talk to me for a bit and then or like he didn't talk to me for like a few days and I really groveled and apologized. And then. Was that it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But okay, there were two big times where I had like blow ups at him. One was um, towards the end of October. I like fucking lost my shit. We didn't talk for a few weeks, but then we, you know, rekindled and then became official and then New Year's Eve of 2018 going into 2019 I fucking lost it I broke up with him at the fish concert and then you know I like the next day thought we were gonna get back together but he was done like he was done with the fucking cycle he was done with the merry-go-round that I put him on and he left so that's the first kind of situation right like the guy that you know like your spidey senses are like this is not the guy for me there's something wrong but you keep dating you know who does does this a lot, by the way. So I'm reading Twilight right now. And um, yes, Twilight, the vampire books that came out 15,000 years ago (laughs) that I never read back then when it would have been age appropriate for me to read them. But now as a grown ass woman, I'm reading them. Um, (laughs) I also never saw the movies. So I'm like halfway through book one. There might be like mild spoilers in this, but nothing that you wouldn't know if you haven't been on the planet for the past 20 years. Like there's vampires and there's a chick named Bella played by Kristen Stewart who falls in love with the vampire named Edward played by Robert Pattinson. Patterson doesn't matter. Let's move right along. The room is hot. The camera is going to (laughs) die. So um, so I'm reading the books right now and this bitch, Bella, I want to fucking kill her. Like the way that she has severe anxious attachment. Holy fucking shit. Like the way that she's obsessed with Edward and sees. I mean, like we talk about red flags like, oh, he talks negatively about his ex or like he didn't tip the waitress or like he seems kind of noncommittal. This man is a vampire. He keeps talking about how much he wants to kill you. Like that is like if ours are red flags, that's like a fucking maroon flag. It's burgundy. It's on fire. The flag is on fucking fire, bitch. And the way that she obsesses over him and the way that like. Uh, So again, mild spoiler, but it's literally in the first half of the first book. It's not that big of a deal. So they're supposed to hang out one day, right? And at this point, she knows he's a vampire. He knows that she knows he's a vampire. And they're talking about his, like, quote unquote, siblings, which are like the other vampires. It's his chosen family. Honestly, it seems like a really nice life. They all live in a house together. Okay, anyway. So, um, 
he is saying she's like you know how do your vampire friends feel about me and he's like well they're kind of worried because we've been hanging out so publicly and so if I end up killing you then the authorities would obviously suspect me because like everyone at school knows that we're hanging out and then if the authorities suspect me it might out our entire family as being vampires and so they don't want that and so how does Bella react to this now how would a regular normal sane, healthy person react to this. They'd be like, hmm, okay, so we're talking about the likelihood that you might kill me and the repercussions. Maybe we shouldn't hang out if like the threat of you killing me is so high. Instead, Bella, this dumbass bitch, is tells everyone they're supposed to hang out on this one particular day and they're supposed to be alone. She tells everyone that their plans fell through and that they're not hanging out anymore so that 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 way, if he does end up killing her, the suspicion wouldn't be on him. Like her entire concerns in life are his needs, his wants, and she doesn't even give a shit literally about her own life. It is crazy how anxiously attached this bitch is, how preoccupied she is with him. It's it's actually truly mind-blowing. I will say, though, I think that the book is really sexy and um, I do find myself getting kind of like activated <laughs> as I read it. And I really, really hope at some point in the book series, there is a sex scene. Now, I understand that the books are written for children, but the way that it kind of gets me sexually frustrated, I feel like if there isn't a sex scene at some point in these series, I will set Stephanie Myers' house on fire. And given the fact that the books are written for children, I have a feeling there isn't going to be a sex scene at any point in the books. So all I'm saying to you guys is get your matches ready because we are going fucking pyro, okay? Anyway, you know, another place that I see this, if you're a Bravo watcher, um, Sam and Corey. So if you're not a Bravo watcher, there's a show called Summer House where everyone has a Hamptons share house together. And there was this new girl on it last season called Sam. And there's this guy, Corey, who's like a friend of someone. And they really hit it off. And they really seem to just have this like instant connection and seem to be perfectly suited together. And Corey had kind of like a fuckboy history, but he just really seemed taken by Sam. And so they started seeing each other for months and months and months, but it wasn't official for a lot, like for like eight months. And then he went to film a show called Winter House, which is just like filmed over the course of two weeks where they have a share house together in Colorado and they ski and shit, right? And while he's at Winter House, he's like flirting with all of these girls, but not actually doing anything. And they are not official yet. And she shows up to the house and sees how all of these girls are flirty with him. And he's also telling her, he's like, yeah, I told everyone that we're seeing each other, but they're still like all over me, blah, blah, blah. And now keep in mind, this girl for eight months has been trying to be this like really cool, chill, easygoing girl and trying to like, you know, get him to fully commit and he's not committing and she's not saying how not okay she is with the fact that he's not committing and then she gets there and she sees all the flirtation and it's triggering all of her insecurities and I'm not gonna lie she came off kind of crazy in the show um but I don't blame her it's because she was doing this same fucking shit okay so that's the first scenario where I'd go crazy the second scenario is actually an interesting one the second one was when I would date the type of guys that I thought I should date so the guys that I wasn't actually into but I was like oh this is the type of guy I should date right um a really good example of this was actually after like once I had started this podcast, like back in the early days, I started seeing this guy who we called the German. Um, he is from <laughs> Somalia. I'm just kidding. He's obviously German. So I, you know, on my first date with the German I was like, yeah, I mean, he's 
seems like nice and enthusiastic. Like I don't really feel a spark or anything. But at that point, I already knew about attachment theory. I had read that stupid ass book, Attached. And I was like, oh, okay. So this bitch says that if you're anxiously attached, then you should date someone who's who you're not, who you don't feel that instant electric spark like I did with the comedian, because those are the avoidance and you're going to get in that anxious avoidant trap. So instead, you should date someone who, you know, feels really secure and feels really stable. And like, maybe you don't have that electricity, that fire, but it'll grow over time. And that's the type of guy who's the right guy for you. Right. So I was like, okay, that seems to be the case with the German. We don't have that electricity, but he's so into me and he's like so obsessed with me. And I feel like I could fucking like do anything and he'd still be into me. Right. So we're seeing each other for a couple of months and everything's fine up until right at the end. I remember he like started growing a little bit more distant and cold. And the way that I fucking lost my mind, like I one okay one day we had plans and he was literally ghosting me I showed up at his place and rang his doorbell like a fucking psycho like someone that should you should get a restraining order against but I feel like I went 10 times as crazy because I was like I didn't even fucking like you you piece of shit and here I am acting crazy about you like I was doing you a favor essentially by dating you and ultimately The root is the same because whether I was dating guys that I was obsessed with who weren't treating me right or whether I was settling for a guy that I wasn't even that into but I thought I should be dating, ultimately I was ignoring my intuition and my own needs and making decisions from a low self-worth place. In both situations, really the root was a preoccupation with romantic love, a severe fear of abandonment, and extremely low tolerance for uncertainty and for distress, and really a lot of scarcity mindset around dating and relationships. Because in both situations, it's essentially like, well, I can't find, I'm not like consciously, I'd always know like, yeah, there's, there are plenty of people. There are 8 billion people on the planet. I used to say that phrase a lot. There are 8 billion people on the planet. If someone isn't treating you right, find someone else who will. But subconsciously, every time I was with a guy, I was like, well, this better fucking work. Cause I'm not going to find anyone else ever again. So I've referenced anxious attachment a few times, and as you're listening, you might be like, okay, this really is starting to sound a lot like anxious attachment. Um, And yeah, it is anxious attachment. Now, if you're not familiar with anxious attachment or attachment theory, attachment theory is a branch branch of psychology that looks at the connections between humans. And really, the central tenet is that our relationship with our childhood caretakers dictates our adult relationships. And when our parents are really well attuned to our needs as a child, then we grow up with what's called secure attachment. And if our parents were misattuned to our needs as a child, then we tend to grow up with with one of three different forms of insecure attachment. So anxious attachment is one of the three types of insecure attachment. And anxious attachment is when you have a high level of attachment-related anxiety, but a very low level of of avoidance. So what that really looks like is the people who really worry about the partner's availability and their attentiveness. Um, They're really attuned to their partner's needs, but tend to ignore their own needs. They need constant reassurance. Um, They have very intense fear of abandonment, which tends to manifest in jealousy, suspicion, clinginess, desperation and a general preoccupation with the relationship. And a lot of people who have anxious attachments start really cool and chill the same way that I did. But then something happens that activates that attachment system. And the attachment system is a set of behaviors that ensures that we stay close to our loved ones. It has very evolutionary causes. So For human beings to have survived throughout the course of human history, we really had to be in tribes. We really had to be connected to other people. And this is especially true when we're children because 
humans, unlike other animals, have a very long period where they need to stay attached to their caregivers. Otherwise, they die. Like think about dogs. Dogs can be fully separated from their parents at three months and live thriving lives. If a three-month-old was separated from its parents, it would die within a matter of hours. Like it's actually nuts how quickly a three-month-old human would die versus, you know, most other animals can be fully independent at three months. So there's that side of it. But then beyond just the connection with the parents, we actually have a very intense need to be within a tribe, within community. I mean, historically, like if you were ostracized from society, like a lion or a bear would fucking eat you, you know? So you really had to be a part of the tribe to be able to survive. And so there's this intense evolutionary need to be connected and to be attached. And when something threatens that connection and that attachment, we tend to kind of lose it. And people with anxious attachment have a chronically activated attachment system. So it's already kind of on high drive. But then if something sets it off even further and that connection is threatened, we try to reestablish connection. But our ways of reestablishing connection are really childish. Um, you know, it's a lot of like playing games, um, like waiting a certain amount of time before answering a call or a text, um, you know, trying to make them jealous, picking fights, threatening to break up all of those types of behaviors, like the shit I was talking about before at the top of the episode with my friend, right? Like historically, I would have not responded in an attempt to get them to be like, oh my God, like what happened? Like to try to get them to spiral or the shit that I did with the comedian, right? Where I was like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I'm like, I was really trying to get him to fight for me. Like that's the type of shit that we do in an attempt to try to reestablish connection. It's actually akin to when babies cry to get their parents' attention because that's kind of like the only tool that babies have. We now grow up and we're a little bit more sophisticated with it. We have these other tools. But ultimately, like it sounds like really fucking childish behavior because it is childish behavior. It comes from a wounded inner child. But nevertheless, grown-ass people do it. I think... um. The most recent example I saw of this was when I was watching the most recent Real Housewives of Beverly Hills episode, Kyle. So if you're not familiar, there is this housewife named Kyle and her husband, Mauricio, who, you know, Mauricio has always been suspected of philandering and things like that. And we're not going to get into it, but it does seem like he has a very pressing job and he's travel. He travels quite a bit for work. And so there's this scene together where they're in the car and she's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to Spain next week. And he's like, what? You're going to Spain next week? (coughs) Excuse me. I'm like really starting to come down with it, I think. Um, And she then in her confessional is like, well, I'm kind of giving Mauricio a little taste of his own medicine because there have been so many times where he's suddenly sprung upon me that he's about to be out of town. That, my friends, is an example of an attachment system being activated, right? Because a healthy functional adult would be like, hey, Mauricio, I really don't like it when you suddenly spring on me that you're going to be out of town. It makes me feel neglected or unloved or uncertain or whatever, however it makes her feel. I don't know. And like, I'd really appreciate it if you could give me a bit more of a notice, right? That's how an adult would handle it. That's how a mature person with secure attachment would handle it. Instead, she's like, playing games with him. She's manipulating. And that's what playing games are. That's what a little taste of your own medicine. It's a type of manipulation, really. So it is a very, very common thing. Now, I've word vomited all of this out and you might be thinking to yourself, all right, cool, great. What the fuck do we do about it? That we're going to address in two weeks. Next week's episode is a Q&A episode. So if you have any questions about this, actually, can you submit them and we'll handle them next week. And then in two weeks, we're really going to do a deep dive into how to heal this. But a little preview is that there's a very strong connection with the nervous system here. And You know, when we're in that rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system, we have a much higher tolerance for distress and uncertainty. But when we're not in that place and when we're in fight, flight, freeze or fawn, we have a much harder time with these things. So a lot of what we're going to do is really 
addressing the nervous system piece. So I have homework for you for the next two weeks. And that homework is to just start to become aware of your nervous system and what state you're in. And so I want you to set an alarm for twice a day. You can pick whatever times tend to be good for you. Set an alarm and just do a little body scan each time the alarm goes off. And pay attention to three areas. First, your physiological sensation. So take note of your heart rate. Is it slow? Is it fast? Your breath, is it shallow? Is it deep? Is it fast? Is it, you know, short? Um, Are you sweating, trembling? Are you hot, cold? Do you have like any sort of urge to run, urge to cry? Um, Dizziness, nausea, numbness. How is your jaw? Is it tight or is it relaxed? How are your shoulders? Are they up in your ears? Are they nice and down and relaxed? Um, You know, how's your tummy? Is it flipping? Is it stable? Is it painful? Is it sore? Is it cramping? Just pay attention to all of these physiological cues. The second area are your cognitive things. So do you have racing thoughts? Are you having difficulty thinking? Are you having difficulty speaking? Are you having any sort of painful thoughts about yourself? Are you doing any sort of like repressing or projecting? You don't have to judge these. You don't have to turn them off. You don't have to fix it. I just want you to become aware of it. That's all. And then the last are your emotions. Are you just learn to label your emotions? Are you feeling happy, sad, fearful, angry, shameful, guilt, frustration, apathy, helplessness? There are a lot of other emotions. Just twice a day, scan yourself and put labels on your physiological cues, your cognitive and your emotions That's it. That's your homework for the next two weeks. Now, before we wrap up every week, we do a little segment at the end of the show called Foods That Make You Blush, where we talk about foods that you can eat this week that really support what we've been talking about. And this week, we have laid the foundation for doing some really deep work together so that we can stop being fucking crazy and dating. And In order to be able to do that really deep work, we want to make sure that we're really regular in our bowels because constipation really throws off your nervous system. And when your nervous system is dysregulated, you really can't do this type of deep work. So here are the best foods for staying regular. Write them down. Try to eat them this week. Number one, kiwi. Well, actually, these are in no order, by the way. <laughs> Not in no order, but kiwi, cantaloupe, papaya, pineapple, pears, green vegetable juices, lemon water, and that's a whole lot of lemon in that water, beans, lentils, and buckwheat. So try to eat some of these foods this week. If you follow me on Instagram, you should see inspiration recipes, things like that, that help. Also, if you're on the newsletter, then you should be getting some foods and recipes and stuff too. If you're not on the newsletter, it's kind of a good time. I'm not going to lie. I would recommend getting there. And that brings us to the end of the show, my friends. And we like to end every show by listing three things that we're grateful for this week. And the reason that we do this is because I love how I'm saying we. By we, I mean me and you. I don't mean like royal we, by the way, but I mean we because it's our show together. So the reason that we do this is because gratitude is scientifically proven to make you happier and more optimistic, which like who the fuck doesn't want to be happier? But the real key is to each time list three new things that you're grateful for. You don't want to just repeat the same thing every time. So I really invite you as I list three things that I'm grateful for this week for you to also list three things that you're grateful for this week. Okay, I am grateful that my amazing partner, Ozzy, we call him, if it's your first time listening, um, we call him Ozzy. His name is not Ozzy. He is Australian and the camera overheated, which I knew was going to happen. It's fine. Um, anyway, Ozzy, um, sent me this bouquet of flowers this week. So he's been traveling for work for, (sighs) 
a long ass time now, which is a big part of why it's been really, really hard for me with Samantha, because I don't have him here to help me. Like if we could tag team it, it would be so much easier. But because it's just me, it's so much harder. But nevertheless, he's been so supportive and kind from afar. And I'm always eternally grateful for him and for our relationship as a whole. Um but um, but specifically, I want to say, because like, obviously, I'm not going to repeat shit that I've always said. And I've said so many times that I'm grateful for him. By the way, I just want to say our evidence is just proof of the fact that this shit works because I could have never been in a relationship like this. That's so stable, so easy and so fulfilling in the past, like before I did all of this work. So like definitely come back in two weeks if you want a relationship like this too. Anyway, um, he sent me this bouquet of flowers, just like checking in on me and Sam and the bouquet was called blush. And that's why he sent it to me, which is so cute. So I'm grateful for the flowers and I'm grateful that he is so supportive of my career. Like it's something I don't give him enough credit for, but that man will like drop anything to help me with my shit. Um, I am grateful for, ooh, okay, this brand of crackers that I've been literally obsessed with for years. They're like healthy, gluten-free, like raw vegan crackers. I fucking love them. They DM'd me this morning and they were like, what are your rates for photos? Like, we love your shit. Like, we want to send you shit. Like, we want to pay you. And that felt really fucking good. And I am grateful for my beautiful singing voice. No, I'm just kidding. You know what? I'm grateful that I haven't gotten sick yet because given how little sleep I've gotten and how stressed I am, it's a goddamn miracle that I'm still standing. Um, and every week, always and forever, I'm grateful to you guys. I'm grateful that you're here listening. I'm grateful that I get to do this. And I would be exceptionally grateful <laughs> if you could rate, review, and subscribe. And please share this episode with people. If you learned something here, if you took something away, if you were entertained, if you had any sort of positive experience, please share this episode with someone. That's how the show grows. That's how I can give it 110%. Because if you guys don't share it, then I'm going to start doing a shit job at this because I'll have to get a side job. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But listen, you are getting the shit for free. So the way that you could kind of give a little bit back would be to share it with people. Put it in your Instagram stories and tag me so that I know it's there. Um, Seriously, though, I fucking love you guys. This was so fun. This was such a nice time away from the literal shit storm that is my life these days. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.